Today's guest, Miriam Rabung, Chief People Officer of Westwing. My core philosophy um, revolves around empowerment. So I firmly believe that leadership is not about asserting authority, but about inspiring and empowering others to reach their full potential. So imagine a workplace where every individual feels the sense of empowerment, the freedom to take risks, the confidence to, to voice your ideas and the autonomy to drive change. That's the workplace I want to create. Miriam and I talked about how she transitioned from an HR generalist over seven years at Westwing to the chief people officer and also the biggest challenges about mental health, psychological safety and also imposter syndrome and how to overcome it and um, a lot of advice for especially female leaders or aspiring leaders. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. So today we have Miriam as our guest. Um, and it's cool because for me, Tennis is a real passion. And then suddenly on LinkedIn, I saw your post about um, starting tennis. And I was like, oh, interesting. Then I clicked on your profile. And then, oh, um, also at Westbing, uh, back then you were, I think, the VP people. And then I thought it would be interesting to connect and also maybe have a conversation. And then we talked about doing a podcast. And then you already gave me um, um, the, the sneak peek of that you will be um, becoming the chief people officer so a lot of things happened during that time now you're sitting here um, and now we can also maybe talk about how to get from an HR generalist where you started at Best Wing to a chief people officer overall um, and many more things that um, are were happening on this journey um, but now we are welcoming Miriam and um, I'm looking forward to having you as a guest and also getting to know you and your journey a bit more so maybe we can start a bit with context about yourself and your journey. Sure. Hi, Thomas. Thank you so much. Uh, I was glad that you were reaching out on, on LinkedIn and I'm happy to be here today. Uh, so sure, let me tell you a bit about myself. So I'm a true Münchner Kinder, born and raised in Munich. I'm a psychologist. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology. And at that time, I thought I wanted to become a therapist. But during my bachelor's, I realized that wasn't the right path for me. So Instead, I discovered my passion for HR and pursued a master's in business psychology. So I basically gained experience in various HR roles in many different companies. So I worked in large corporations at Allianz, in uh, consulting at Bain Company, in headhunting at Michael Page, and also in a startup during its founding phase at Scalable. So... It was a diverse range of experiences and um, yeah, I found that the corporate environment uh, for sure doesn't suit me. So I was looking for something between a corporate uh, company and a young startup. So in 2016, I joined Westwing, as you said, as an HR generalist. And since then, I have progressed to the role of chief people officer And since March 2020, I've been leading the HR team. And um, the journey is quite 
a straight line with investing. And this is really um, unusual because not a lot of um, people get the opportunity to grow with a company um, personally, right? Um, so can you walk us a bit through the, the journey there? Mm -hmm. So, of course, and it's going to be a, a pretty long story as I've been with Westwing now for more than seven years. Um, but I can gladly tell you a bit about that. So when I joined Westwing in 2016, um, we were still a very small HR team. So I was basically handling everything from recruiting and business partnering um, to employer branding, learning and development and so on. And Back then, we were still this rather, I'd say, traditional HR team, so very operational, focused on silent running of core processes. So the typical former startup, you know, and um, like I'm personally someone who needs challenges. I need a steep learning curve, and I love that there was still such a green field, so much to improve, um, so many things to tackle, and Fortunately, Westring always provided me with opportunities to jump on exciting projects and to grow, no matter my previous experience, no matter my age. So that's what I really loved. And then in 2018, my back then boss, um, she went on maternity leave. So I was able to step into my first leadership role as team lead HR business partnering. And also, again, in this role, I, I really try to, to prove myself taking over responsibilities for many projects and really trying to do HR right. So also becoming more strategic, like really pushing for initiatives um, and so on. Um, so one example, in early 2020, I volunteered for the role as project lead for the corona management at West Bank. Uh, so honestly, I had no idea what I was signing up for. <laughs> um, but of course, that gave me a lot of visibility across the company. And I had like daily check-ins also with our CEO to report on the progress. And then in March 2020, our backband CEO, um, Stefan Smada, he offered me to succeed the head of HR who was leaving. And of course, I, I went for it. But I also told Stefan that I want to change the way we do HR. So that I have a different vision for HR and want us to become strategic partners for the business. So um, this is also important to know in context. I think it was mm -hmm. around 2018 when you went public, right? Exactly. We had our IPO in 2018. Yeah. So also a lot of, I would say, compliance to consider. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's true. A lot of things changed back then. And also throughout our IPO, there were lots of topics where I could really also um, drive initiatives to, to stay compliant and so on. Yeah, that's true. But this is also, I think, something to um, mention because then usually maybe businesses shift or focus more on the administration piece mm -hmm. to just get it right. Mm -hmm. But yeah. also during that time to say, okay, we need to become more strategic. It's also something... Um, yeah, but, but you really need to have a certain um, evidence or case mm -hmm. that people listen, I guess, right? Yes, absolutely. So um, looking at the IPO, of course, we needed to focus even more on processes and, and on reportings, getting things right. Um, so there was a, a certain risk of neglecting this path towards becoming a, a business enabler. So back then I told um, Stefan that I believe HR 
should also be represented in the executive team. We are such a people-focused company, so I felt um, that's the, the only way to do it right. Um, but fair enough, he said that I first needed to, to prove the impact that we can have as HR. And, um, you know, like March 2020, beginning of Corona pandemic, that was, of course, challenging, but it was also a chance for us as HR to really showcase our potential impact. Um, and this worked. So by July 2020, Stefan asked me to join the executive team, um, which for me was a super important step. So really getting this seat at the table. And uh, that also shows the significance that people topics do have at Rustwing. So What we was the size see, back then of the business? Um, back then in 2020, we were growing a lot. So um, because of the boom that we have had uh, throughout Corona. So we were back then, I think, around about 2,000 people um, wow. across all our locations internationally. Wow, yeah. Yeah. huge. And that's also like we always say, our team is the key to our success. And, and that's so true. So I think it was really good to make that step. We also represent um, HR in the executive team. But for me, it was, of course, also a bit um, intimidating, to be honest. So I was the only female executive at that time um, because our founder, Delia, was still on maternity leave. And I was also by far the youngest member of the executive team. So back then, I was only just turning 30. So I have to admit that this was really scary <laughs> in the beginning. Uh, I, I really suffered also from, from self-doubts during this period. But How like, did you overcome um, self-doubt, mm -hmm. like imposter syndrome? I think a lot of people mm -hmm. have that, um, mm -hmm. but it, 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 you just mentioned that you also had that in the beginning, but yeah. um, what did you do about it and how did you deal with it? Yeah, so imposter syndrome for me um, yeah, has been with me for a long time. So I was always this kind of, you know, probably the term insecure overachiever. Uh, so I had to deal with self-doubts a lot, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, recently, it's, it's only happening um, in, in rare cases. But to be honest, it was a long way there. So I think the, the last time I had a major moment of self-doubt was really when I was asked to join the executive team. And um, yeah, there, there it was this imposter, this ugly, nasty voice in my head really trying to hold me back. In case you like my show... Please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. So what I recommend to, to everyone, if someone offers you an amazing opportunity and you are not sure you can do it, then still say yes. Um, and then just learn how to do it later. Because and that's, that's funny because usually men are always doing this, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's also something that, that's um, yeah, typical for, for women. So I think for, for women, it seems so intimidating to, to take on a role you're not sure you can succeed in. Um, but for sure you were asked to do it for a reason. So that's also what um, Stefan back then told me when I was telling him that I'm intimidated. He told me like, yeah, I asked you for a reason because you deserve that seat at the table. And there's nothing wrong with learning new things and asking questions along the way, right? Um, and maybe there are some tips that I can, I can share with you when it comes to see, dealing with self-doubt. Um, Because the, the truth is you'll never fully get rid of the imposter syndrome. So new challenges bring all fears and insecurities. So it will always be right there with you, right? Um, but you can try to really get to know your imposter. So 
<laughs> uh, this tip is maybe a bit unconventional, but it helped me a lot. So I actually gave it a name. I call mine Dolores Umbridge. All Harry Potter fans know who I'm talking about. I don't know if you know her. Um, yes, I heard of her. I, I don't know the character name now on top, uh, but yeah. So Dolores Umbridge um, is probably the the most cruel, most manipulative person you can imagine. Uh, she really enjoys humiliating others. Oh ah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I know her now. Uh, I, I see yeah. the picture. So the, the professor that, that joins um, later in, in the story. And I've despised her since I was a child. Like she was really my hated villain. So whenever this voice starts talking in my head, I imagine it to be Dolores Umbridge. And then I know she's just trying to get between me and the next big challenge, uh, really trying to make me feel small. So I don't trust her. I should rather trust my own ability. So that helps me a lot. Okay, that's and, a smart way to do it. So yeah. I never heard of this. <laughs> I know it's a bit out of the box. Um, maybe something. But I also that... think that Dolores is really unpleasant. So <laughs> maybe for for future things, I consider her as well. <laughs> yeah, or you can think of your like a most hated childhood villain, and then imagine it to to be that person. So that that definitely helps. Um, maybe another tip that is a bit more conventional. Just like use the facts to prove your imposter wrong. So. Um, of course, like this imposter hates your accomplishment. So one of the best ways to put it in its place is to bring the facts um, of your success to light. So in moments where you feel insecure, it can be helpful to really have a reminder of your accomplishments because in these moments, you really forget about everything that you've achieved. So I have an email folder really called literally positive feedback And that's where I store all the emails, like screenshots of things where I got positive feedback to really remind me of my achievements whenever the imposter tries to, to make me doubt myself. Great hack. And do you also have, um, um, I would say what is important is a certain level of psychological safety as you talk mm -hmm. to your relationship with mm -hmm. Stefan and um, mm -hmm. your leader. So it's also important i think in terms of circumstances um that mm -hmm. people are enabled to make it easier to deal with it um because i think there are a lot of insecure overachiever out there and um suddenly maybe they are also a bit more lucky in being a good environment where they are um i would say enabled and then there are other cases where there are maybe not so good in, in um environments to be enabled especially if you're maybe a bit insecure um where people just are maybe toxic or not even um willing to invest into someone because politics are involved or wh whatever it is yeah so what level or what what impact does the psychology um psycho psychological safety piece um play yeah so like for me as a psychologist i can definitely tell you uh, psychological safety is absolutely crucial um especially when it comes to to fostering a culture of of trust um collaboration and innovation so um we have several initiatives i'd say to to promote this at west wing so First, we prioritize open communication. So that's super important for us. We really encourage our team members to share their thoughts, ideas, and concerns without this fear of being judged. Um, so for this, we have regular team meetings, so-called um, weekly business reviews, where everyone can bring up 
things to discuss. And of course, every leader has weekly or bi-weekly one-on-one check-ins also with their team members, um, also asking for input and feedback. Um, then we also implemented the tool Office Wipe, where our team members can give feedback on a regular basis. And we even offer the opportunity to all team members to hand in anonymous questions or comments to our group all hands, where they can make suggestions or raise ideas for our business. So we want really everyone to feel heard and valued. So that's, I think, crucial. Then I think when it comes to psychological safety, a lot depends on the individual leader. So you were also talking about toxic environments and so on. Uh, so we have a leadership onboarding for new leaders that also teaches them to focus on empathy and building trust. That's also part of our leadership principles. So we want to enable our leaders to, to really create this supportive work environment. Um, another important aspect is we really foster this culture of learning from mistakes rather than punishing them. So mistakes are inevitable in any workplace, right? Um, and they can be valuable learning experiences. So we, of course, on the one hand, we celebrate our successes, but we also acknowledge and learn from failures. And um, this way we want to encourage a growth mindset throughout the organization. Um, I think what's yeah, also cool. very, very important is um, you just to address also any instances of things like bullying or, or discrimination, right? So we have a zero tolerance for things like that. Um, we also have a whistleblower tool where people can then report any instances like that and we can follow up on this. And that's one of these, I think, very important in our pursuit of psychological safety is that we recognize also that mental health, mental well-being is a crucial component. So um, also talking about mental health challenges openly. So we also encourage our team members to seek assistance without fear of being judged. And uh, we just last year um, created a partnership with Open Up. Um, so I don't know if you know them, they provide a platform where individuals can access confidential coaching sessions with psychologists. And I think this helps our team also a lot. And this way we also, yeah, show the message that seeking help is a positive step in your well-being so journey cool you and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Yeah. Because I also had a guest, um, the chief people officer and, um, of Pipedrive, Tanya Channing, mm -hmm. and she mentioned and highlighted that a game changer for her in her role and also how the organization there is run is that they have psychologists um, for every team member um, as a channel where they can go through um, to just talk about changes in, in terms of change management or also personal stuff, right? And this is really unlocking a lot of efficiency when you look at it from a high-level perspective because so many um, blockers that are maybe not really considered in a regular business environment, but they are still there because you just cannot be another person, right? Um, are anticipated or are also um, just handled in a way that they are not really blocking um, changes so much. And this is something what, what I think is a very cool concept. And you also see it um, in, in movies. Um, like I think there's several movies of these um, investment bankers who are doing trading in New York and so on, right? <laughs> where this is like, um, where this psychologist is something really powerful. Um, so, um, yeah, this, this is interesting. And um, 
how do you use and leverage that internally? So we um, have like openly promote that to to all our team members regularly, also in our group all hands, and um, also whenever we have like one on one sessions with team members and they are like talking about challenges, we are always like, okay, but then why aren't you just booking a coaching session with Open App? Talk about it, get support, and um, I think it's it's so important to really destigmatize this you're not only talking to a psychologist when you have mental health issues or problems of course that's one side but also when you have like general challenges as you said could be anything could be also outside of work something that's bothering you something about a relationship maybe a, a, a breakup or something like that and uh, this has a huge effect on how you can uh, perform at work so I think that's really important and our team members are really using this a lot. So um, I think right now we have more than 100 active users who are regularly booking one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions at the headquarter only. I don't know uh, the, the numbers by heart for our international teams. And that's like 100 people out of 800. So you can really tell that uh, many people are taking up on this offer. Wow. Um, and you also um, mentioned several times and also when, when following you, um, you're open about mental health challenges. So um, how did this impact your level of leadership? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think personally this transparency, also talking about my personal challenges that I faced throughout my career, um, just allowed me to really lead with authenticity, like really staying true to myself and also being vulnerable so I like to to share my own experiences also as a, as a female leader. And with that, I really want to foster a culture where honesty and genuine connections are valued. So we really have a supportive atmosphere where people can lean on each other during challenging times, be it personally or professionally. And you can also tell that we have a culture of trust. So team members know that they can bring their whole selves to work without fear of judgment. And yeah, I think just talking openly about mental health challenges, also myself as an executive, um, that paves the way for really destigmatizing this topic. I think you need to, to lead by example. And this way we really want to, to create this environment where team members feel empowered to discuss their mental health openly and I can tell that this has led to, to increased awareness, um, understanding, and also this commitment to prioritize mental well-being. So we don't only have this, this collaboration with Open App, but we also have like mental health days or mental health week. And this is not only coming from people in culture, but we also have team members who are really actively also contributing, offering sessions, for example, on yoga, sound healing, things like that. And that's really nice to see that we have that across our teams. Do you have some examples when especially um, becoming a chief people officer? And I think the further you go up as an executive, the more alone you are in terms mm -hmm. of the challenges mm -hmm. you have and the, um, maybe people you can talk to as a peer. And of course, there are peers out there, but nobody takes the time because it's it's busy, right? Mm -hmm. So do, can you share some um, examples where you had some maybe mental health challenges or where it really got tough in terms of workload or whatever it is stress yeah. um, on, on how to overcome them and, and yes. what, what was it 
Yes, definitely. So I think for me, like the, the biggest challenge or the most challenging time was definitely um, throughout the beginning of the corona pandemic when I was also jumping into the new role as head of HR. So you have to imagine um, my previous boss was um, having just one week of handover to me before he left. Uh, so that was really a, a short amount of time. And on top of that, of course, all the new challenges arising with the pandemic and all the pressure that I made myself. So I had a lot of really um, sleepless nights, to be honest. And um, I, I really understood that I was also myself coming to, to this limit. So I was also booking coaching sessions um, to myself. So I also used the offer that we make to our team members just talking about that. What helped me a lot was always to question myself, what could be the single like most terrible outcome um, and kind of look at it from this perspective um, because I'm not a doctor. I'm not like saving lives right so um really really thinking about that from from this angle helped me a lot because it was like okay you might make mistakes um it's a pandemic it's the first time that anyone has to deal with it so of course you will make mistakes but everybody would will understand and you can just like try your best to make it work and your family your friends will still love you right even if you fail and i think that helped me a lot but then exactly as, as you said, like, of course, it gets more lonely when you're stepping up. So what I did also was just uh, talking a lot to, to other executives, also really ask them for their experience on how to deal with challenges like that. when you really feel on the edge. And also, yeah, so I also reached out to, to many leaders, um, people leaders across e-commerce and have this strong support network. And this really helps a lot. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. What is actually your leadership philosophy um, as a female leader? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my core philosophy um, revolves around empowerment. So... I firmly believe that leadership is not about asserting authority, but about inspiring and empowering others to reach their full potential. So imagine a workplace where every individual feels the sense of empowerment, the freedom to take risks, the confidence to, to voice your ideas and the autonomy to drive change. That's the workplace I want to create. And um, I want to, to create a workplace where Individuals feel seen, heard, and included, regardless of gender or any other defining factor. And as a female executive, of course, the topic of female empowerment is also close to my heart. So at Westring, we recognize the importance of really breaking down barriers, creating opportunities for women um, to advance in their careers. And Just to give you an example, we have a collaboration with a childcare facility in a kindergarten here in Munich, but we also have our very own Westwing Kita uh, that we opened in 2019, the Westwing Richter that is right next to our building. So also to, to support um, mothers and, and fathers with that. And we have so many strong and talented women working at Westwing. 
And I'm super proud that actually more than half of our senior leaders, so senior leaders for us, that means uh, directors, VPs, and C-level. So more than half of our senior leaders at Restring are female. So I think this is really also showing um, that we're making some things right to promote that. Yes. Do you think that it's also related to the industry of um, interior um, e-commerce? Or yes, so we also really have, focus on that? Yeah, so that's, of course, already um, one factor. So we also have more women in general, so more female team members than male team members. Um, but we see almost the same percentage then also across our senior leader level. So That's important um, because usually there is the gap then, right? Exactly, exactly. So of course, we need to the foundation to, to even have um, candidates to apply that are female in the end. But then also seeing now um, that those female candidates who started Westwing can then really also have their career with us. I think that's what makes us different, maybe and, makes it stand out. And in Absolutely. terms of future goals, so um, what, is, what, what is the next goal? So above chief people officer, so uh, I think there's something hard to, to achieve next. Um, so what, what are your future goals and how to, does this align with Westwing? Yeah, so I would say uh, looking at my, my personal and professional goals, I still deeply intertwined with the future vision of Westwing. I think we're just at the beginning, we're just getting started. Uh, there's still so much potential ahead of us as a company. Um, so on a personal level, I'm committed to, to continuous growth. Uh, I, I want to continue learning. Uh, so I want to still develop my leadership skills. I want to really deepen my understanding also of, of trends in our industry. Continue building like really strong connections with our team. Um, and on a very personal note, I'm getting married in March. Uh, so that's going to be a huge personal milestone. Um, I'm super happy about that. And thank you. <laughs> thank you, Thomas. And professionally, um, of course, my goal is to contribute to Westfang's continued success and evolution as a business. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, exciting. And um, what is a guest that you know I don't know who I should interview next? <laughs> uh, so I would have actually recommended Annika from About You for sure but you already had her on the podcast yes. uh, I love that episode so um, for your next podcast I would highly recommend Björn the Chief People Officer at My Teresa. so Björn is also one of my closest peers and, and confidence so we regularly bounce ideas and share best practices and Björn is such an inspiring HR leader. So I think his insights uh, into building a, a thriving workplace culture and also like navigating the dynamic landscape of the fashion and luxury industry uh, would for sure provide valuable perspectives also for Definitely. your podcast. Do you think he is open for it? I haven't talked to him yet, I have to admit. Um, so I don't know, uh, but I can, I can for sure also make a connect if you want me to. Cool. So if you can do that, definitely. Otherwise, I would just reach out and mention that he, he got recommended by you. And then this also <laughs> usually works. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that happening. <laughs> um, yeah, cool, Miriam. Then it um, was really um, great having you on the show and um, looking forward that you get married and um, um, all the best for that. And um, yeah, it was great chatting and um, thanks a lot. Thank you, Thomas. I also had a lot of fun talking to you. <laughs> <laughs>